Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. And I thank you that in you we live and move and have our being. Thank you that if it had not been for you on our side, we wouldn't have been anyway. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for bringing us here so we can hear your word. Speak to us. Reveal yourself to us as we learn more about Christ, as we learn more about the kingdom. We pray that let the light of your revelation dawn on us that we will see the light in your word. In Jesus' name, heal the sick, convict the sinning, save the the lost. Lord, bring direction to the confused and let your name be glorified as your people are edified. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all shall say, and all shall say, praise God. Hallelujah. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and the earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended, he descended, let's all say that together. Please say it again, please. Say it for the last time. He he descended into hell. I would like to cover two. Descended into hell and then the next statement. And the next statement said that the third day he rose, he rose again from the dead. All right? So we're going to cover these two. He descended into hell by the special grace of God. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. Now that, that statement, he descended into hell, has become a statement of theological debate over the, over the years, over across the generations. Um, in fact, certain traditions, Christian traditions, leave that out of the Apostles' Creed. Certain, certain um, Christian tradition leave that out of the Apostles' Creed. And others also put an asterisk around it and make a comment on it later on. Um, now, he, he descended into hell. Did Jesus go to hell? If he did, or what are the scriptural basis? And then what did he go to do in hell? What, did he go there to be beaten? Did he go there to continue pain? All right. So that's what we and then before the resurrection. Now, some particularly, though some of you may be aware, some of you may not be aware, but it's good to mention because what I'm teaching and talking about is very um, heavy in theology, in theology and its theological weight is great. And so it's sometimes we may have to make references to great theologians of old what they have said and what some of them believe. One of the great theologians I would want to refer to is Calvin, John Calvin. Uh, is, during the Reformation, God used them greatly. God used John Calvin greatly, Martin Luther, um, and, the, and the, the rest to bring great reformation in our times. Now, John Calvin believes that Jesus went to hell. So the reformers believe that Jesus, when I talk about reformers, those who brought back justification by faith, who brought it back to the Christian mainstream because for a long time it was silence. Christianity was, after Emperor Constantine became a Christian, 
and Christianity became state religion of the then Roman Empire. Christianity was watered down. All kinds of things came in. And some really even believe that's where Christian, uh, Christmas came in. And all, kind of, all kinds of things came into Christianity. And the Roman Catholic Church, then Roman Catholic Church was the main and the only kind of the mainstream church. And a lot of things came into Christianity which were not necessary like rosary. Praying through saints. Praying through Mary. I wonder where that came from up to now. You know, praying through, oh, oh, holy mother of God, pray for us sinners now in the hour of our death. I mean, what kind of prayer is that? That's not Christian. <laughs> All right. That, and then practicing of penance. Practicing of penance and then so that sometimes when your relative dies and he's a, a very, like Osama bin Laden, let's say he died without confessing Christ, and then his relatives will go to the priest and donate huge sums of money so that the priest will make prayers unto God on his behalf that he will gain access to heaven. So that means if you don't, if you don't really have money, you really don't have a chance. All right, and all kinds of things that they were practicing. So there was the reformation. God revived the church and brought the fact that you are saved by grace through faith in Christ. That is where the main point I've been teaching, justification, is by faith alone. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through faith in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. All right, so justification by faith, through, by grace through faith. It, it was brought back into Christian mainstream. Now, so these are the reformers, and it brought a lot of reformation. That's how now the people are called Protestants, because they are protesting against the mainstream church. And so that's where Protestants came from, Presbyterian church, Methodist church, Lutheran church. You know, but Anglican was a, quite a different thing altogether. God, they didn't break because of reformation. They broke because of the king wanted to marry someone he wasn't supposed to marry. So he didn't want the pope to be controlling him. And a whole lot of things. But then, so John Calvin, one of the great reformers uh, in the times of Reformation, made a statement. He believed Jesus went to hell, but then he believed that. Remember what I told you last Sunday? That from the Apostles' Creed, he was, uh, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. You know, the crucifixion was important. Yeah. Now, he, he was crucified dead. And what happened? Was buried. Then, from there, said he descended into hell. Now, if you look at the progression, it is he kept going down, 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 and up, 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 up. Now, so John Calvin believed that he was crucified. Okay, he, cruci- he was crucified, went to hell, dead, and was buried because his uh, his elevation started from his burial, as I told you, I proved to you last Sunday. And so, if he had to go to hell, part of the punishment, then it should be before his burial. Because uh, on the cross, that's where he finished. He finished it on the cross. That's the last year. John chapter 19, verse 30. It is finished. Yes. He's, he paid the price on the cross. And so then he should have actually gone to hell before it was finished. Then, So John Calvin believed he was crucified at the point of Pilate, crucified, descended into hell, dead, and was buried. That, does that make sense? Yeah. How can he descend to hell before he died? Because, you know, on the cross, he was dying, but he was working. 
And even in his death, his spirit was still working. So the three days, where was he? All right, let's, let's quickly look at it, uh, the scriptures so that we can. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to, I want to talk about quickly um, reasons for the hell theory. When people say he went to hell. Number one, people believe that he went to hell to finish paying the price. All right. So to finish paying the price, what price? The price for our redemption. What we have done, what we, we were supposed to suffer. Jesus went to hell to finish paying the price. Number two, he went to hell. I'm sure some of you have, might have heard this before. He went, and I've heard it a few times. He went to hell to collect the keys. <laughs> he went to Satan and said, bring me the keys. <laughs> Hand it over to me. He went, he, went, he went to hell to go and collect the keys. That's one of the other uh, reasons people give for him going to hell. And then number three, which also is quite an interesting text, that he went into hell to preach, to release old saints who are in, or old saints who are in hell. That's why some people say that when he died, Bible says that graves were opened and people came out, people saw dead relatives, old, old people, they were dead. They saw them walking on the streets of Jerusalem. But no, in Matthew, when he died on the cross, Bible said the curtain in the temple was torn from top to the bottom, and then there, there was an earthquake torn, and then graves were opened. People who were dead, people saw dead, people work, were dead coming back, walking around. Now, that's not a subject of our discussion, so maybe later we'll go in, into that. But then, People believe that he went to hell and preached and released them. Now, some people actually believe in Ephesians chapter 4, verse, verse 9 particularly. Now this, he, 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 sorry, he ascended. What does it mean? What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Okay? So go to, go to the next verse. I want to show you something. He who descended also is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Look, verse 8, verse 8. Bible says that therefore when he ascended on high, he left captivity captive and gave gifts to men. All right. He led captivity. Now, what people believe that when he died and he was resurrecting, he hijacked satanic powers. And there were those who were holding people captives. He released those who were captives and then those who were uh, the captivity, those who were holding them captive, he, you know. But, but that's not what the text actually is referring to, all right? So when people say he went to go and preach to um, saints or release saints in hell or preach to people who in the Old Testament have not actually believed, he went to preach to them so that they also will have the chance to be saved. Um, the Bible really does not say that, all right? So because look at first, let's look at first Peter chapter three, first Peter chapter three, verse 18 and 19. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. All right. Verse 19. By whom, by whom, that's talking about Jesus in his death, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, this is a very interesting text. He went to preach to the spirits in prison. So now, the fourth theory about Jesus going to hell is to go and preach in hell to spirits. He went to preach to spirits. 
And what sort of spirit is, it, is, is the Bible talking about here? Number one, I have to wait and quote this for you to know that this is not talking about people who have died already. All right? It's not talking about people who have died already. So who is he talking about? It actually says in the next verse, verse 20. Verse 20 talks about who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being, uh, being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water. Right, so people believe that Jesus went in the, in the days of Noah, the people who perished, or the spirits who perished, some people believe that the people who perished in the days of Noah, Jesus went to speak to them, and then um, others also believe that it's, um, the spirit there is referring to evil spirits. All right, now, back to verse 19, I want to take my time to explain something to you. By whom also he went to preach. That word preach is not like the way I'm preaching, I'm teaching, not to go and explain things. Uh, that word, it means that to go and make pronouncement and declaration. All right. So he went, he actually went in, in prison, the abyss. Look at chapter, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and verse 5. Look at it from the screen. Now, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, all right, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for punishment. Now go to the next verse, verse 5. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood, or, uh, flood on the world of the ungodly. So the spirit that Bible was talking about is, give me the King James. Uh, let, let's see what the King, how, verse 4, the King James. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. All right. When you read some other translations, it talks about cast them down to um, the pit, right. the prison. Now, in Jude, verse 6, look at Jude, verse 6. Jude, verse 6. Some angels were locked in chains. Some spirits were locked in chains. That is, that's true. So, Jude, verse 6, it says that, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So, some spirits, during Noah's time, some, some angels re- became very violent and rebellious. They, they actually uh, um, uh, mingled among human beings and did some atrocious things. Some of those angels were captured <laughs> and put in the abyss. It's called the abyss. When you read Romans chapter 10, verse 7, Bible refers that to abyss. So there is an abyss, deep pit, deep, deep, deep pit. Romans chapter 10 says, who, who descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. So it's like when he died, okay, it's like he went into the abyss. The Romans says that don't say who ascend to heaven, bring him down, go down to bring him up. The word is just near in your mouth. Once you confess it. And so there are spirits. There were spirits who, and there still are spirits who have been captured and in chains in darkness. When Jesus resurrected, uh, uh, sorry, when Jesus Christ on the cross, he went there to to proclaim, now no, listen to this, he didn't go to hell for punishment because he had finished the work on the cross. So he didn't go to hell for punishment. He, he went to hell like in, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Look at that. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2. Inasmuch as the children 
have, uh, have, partake, uh, have partaken of flesh and blood. He himself likewise shared in the same. He needed body. You need a body to die. Spirits don't die. So you need a body. So he himself likewise shared in the same. That through death, you see, you see that? He, he needed the body so he can die. All right? That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. So on his death on the cross, he, de- he destroyed him who has the power of death. He destroyed the devil. He destroyed his power. And then in Colossians chapter 2 verse 14, Bible talks about how he made an open public display. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against you, which was contrary to us, uh, that's the and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Verse 15, verse 15, having, nailed, having disarmed principalities and power, he made the public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Amen. He triumphed over them in the cross. So he's dying on the cross, he made a display, and he brought the powers of hell to nothing. The powers of grave, the power of death, he brought it to nothing. So then watch this. When he went, Bible says that he went to the spirits in prison to proclaim, to preach to them. He wasn't going to preach repentance. He went to show them, listen, I have destroyed the power. So now, redemption has come to humanity. Human beings can be freely saved. They can serve God because I've broken the power of the devil. What you are trying to do before you are put in prison, it didn't succeed and I've come to free humanity. So he went to display his power. He went to show that God, life has triumphed over death. Satan's program, Satan's intention to block you and I from being saved has been fought, has been destroyed. Bible said that he triumphed, he made a public spectacle of them. He triumphed over them in victory. Hallelujah. Now, so when they say he went to hell, um, he didn't go to hell to go and suffer. He didn't go to hell to go and suffer. If you're talking about part of the punishment for sin, then he, he went to hell before he said he's finished. If he should suffer for that. Because Jesus himself said in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verse 39 and 40, look at it. Jesus himself said that, as, uh, but he answered and said to them, an evil and an adulterous generation seek after sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What, is, what happened to Jonah? For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the, in the heart of the earth. So he said that he was going to die. Now the heart of the earth there meant his death. Okay, he's dead. He was out. But you know, Jonah, Jonah was not there permanently. Jonah was not seen for a while. And then Jonah was seen. So he said, a little while you will not see me. And a little while you will see me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So Jesus Christ himself said he was going to die. He was going to be away for a short while. Now when they asked him, what sign do you give me again? In, when, after he took the whip and whipped out those who were selling in church in the temple in John chapter 2 particularly in, I think in the verse 19 he told them that you want a sign he said destroy this temple he said destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days alright so remember Jesus has spoken about three days in Matthew chapter 12 verse, uh, verse 40 
All right, he's spoken about three days. And in the book of John as well, chapter two, he's spoken about three days. So I wouldn't have to go back to the third. The Bible said he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. All right, that part of the Apostles' Creed. So now, the, the, the theory about hell, when he went to go and declare, he went to go and make proclamation. Now, the scripture we read from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, it's been a very thorny and a very tricky one. A lot of theologians have been battling with it. But when you look at the text very carefully, he's not talking about human beings he went to preach to. He's talking about demonic powers. He went to make declaration and pronouncement that man is free. Man is free to serve God. Man is free from demonic control, satanic control, because on the cross, he destroyed him who has the power of death in the mighty name of Jesus. And then in the book of Luke chapter 23, verse 43, on the cross, when he was dying with the thief, he told the thief, the thief said that, when you remember me, Lord, when you come to your kingdom, he says, surely I say, surely I say to you, when? Today. When? Today. Today. Why would you be with me? You'll be with me in paradise. So that starts to imply he was on his way to paradise, not hell. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he didn't spend, I, 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 I don't believe fully that he spent three days in hell declaring. Because he said, I'm on my way to paradise. He, he, he went to hell, made declaration after the cross, and then he met the guy in paradise. Hallelujah. Now, quickly, there's, oh, I like this one. Acts chapter 2, verse 22, 23, 24. Let's read it down, down as far as we can because it, it contains some good stuff for us. Men of Israel, hear this where Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested, attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Whom God raised, let's all say whom God raised up. up. Say it again, please. Whom God raised up, having lost, okay, having loosed the pains or the pangs, right, the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He came back. So when, when a Muslim tells you Jesus didn't die, it's, it's, it's a Satan, Satan's theory. Yeah. And secondly, it's not, it's not scientific and it's not historically accurate. Because it's, the historical fact is Pontius Pilate cruci- crucified him. Yes. He died. He was dead. They went to go and check. If he wasn't dead, they would, they would have broken his bones. The Bible says that for um, none of his bones were broken, his bones were broken. So he didn't die through that. He, he, he died before they got there. That, a trained Roman soldier is trained. It's like an, a paramedic comes, or a police comes and makes announcement, declare the person dead. Before they make that, they, have, they are trained to check that first, to verify that the person is dead before they go on national television or go to the media and say that, say that um, the, the man died in the plane crash or he died in the accident and he's dead. No, they have to really make sure. So the Roman soldiers knew what it means for someone to be dead. And they buried him. He was buried. All right, he was buried. So Bible says that Jesus Christ, God raised him because it was not possible, verse 24 again, it was not possible that he should be held by death because he has defied the power of death. So death can't hold him anymore. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in Easter, I was teaching about how they, when they got to the tomb, the stone was rolled away. 
Because he just didn't need the stone to be rolled away, the stone to be rolled away for him to come out. He didn't need that. Because he went through walls. The disciples had closed, shut the door, they were hiding in the room. Jesus just appeared in their midst. So he could appear anywhere. He resurrected, could have just come out. But they had to roll the stone so that you and I can see inside for historical verification that we can see inside that there's nobody there. He's, he's risen. Someone shout his reason. So Jesus came out of the, of the grave. And let's go continue the text. There's something I want us to get to. Verse 25. For David saying concerning him, this is David, okay? David saying concerning him, I foresaw the Lord also before my face, for he is at my right hand that, uh, that I may not be forsaken. That's Jesus, this is Jesus' speech, but David spoke. The Spirit spoke through David like Jesus. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also was, uh, uh, will rest in hope. Watch this. Why? For you will not leave my soul in Hades. When you read some translations, some translation may use shoal, S-H-O-E-L, is another word for Hades. In the Hebrew, they call it shoal. In the Greek, is Hades. What's Hades? Hades is a place reserved for departed souls. So when people die, that's where some of them, like Lazarus, in Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 16, verse 20. Uh, yeah, I think verse 22. Bible talks about how, so it, it happened. The beggar died and was carried by angels to the, Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. We go to the verse 23. See the verse 23. And being in torment where? In Hades. Okay. So then, this tends to imply that Jesus actually went to Hades. Because from what David is saying, you will not leave my soul in Hades. So Jesus actually descended. He, he went somewhere. But not to spend three days there. Right? He went to Hades. Now people, before, before the final judgment in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 downwards, any people who die who don't know Christ, that's why like the rich man who didn't know God, he was sent to Hades. And there there is torment. People suffer. So the rich man was crying, ah, I'm suffering here. Lazarus, Lazarus, Lazarus. And Lazarus was resting and cousin. He said, Lazarus, can you call Father Abraham, can you send Lazarus to bring me water? Abraham said, no, we don't do that here. He thought he was still on earth. On earth you can order some things, they will deliver it by courier and order. Say, yeah, we don't do that here. And he can't come, and because there's a space between us, an abyss or hole between us, so he can't come to you. And all that. So people suffer and get tormented even before hell itself. Now, now it's called the of, lake of fire. The Bible says that hell and Hades were all thrown into the lake of fire. All right, so Jesus went to the abyss to go and preach to the, prison, to, to the spirits in prison, to go and declare to them that man is free. Man is free. Redemption is now made available for all men. He didn't stay. The Bible said the third day he rose again from the dead. Okay? So Jesus Christ resurrected from there because he said, you shall not leave my soul to suffer corruption. Right? So he resurrected again from the dead. That's Apostles' Creed. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Jesus resurrected from the dead. He rose from the dead. It's a fact. He rose from the dead. It's a fact. He rose from the dead. It's a fact. Let me give you to a, a few facts about the resurrection because it's very necessary to know about the, the resurrection. Say he's alive. He's alive. Shout he's alive. he's alive. Shout he's alive. he's alive. 
So, what we are just reading, Acts chapter 2, verse 24 again, you can see clearly the Bible says that whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Whom God raised up. Let's all say that together. Please say it again. So, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He didn't stay in the grave. He was resurrected. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, so now, God raised up from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's a, a, a whole lecture about the resurrection. Paul takes his time to make statements and make certain things clear about the resurrection because in those days, there are people who didn't believe, and even in now, in these days, there are people who don't believe in the resurrection. Now, Paul, that's why Paul said, Paul said, why do you consider it a difficult, incredible thing that God should raise the dead? Why? I think Acts chapter 25, verse 27 or something like that. Why do you consider it impossible that God should raise the dead? Because many people think that uh, God can raise the dead or the dead cannot come back to life. For, all right, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it talks about if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Alright, so the spirit of God brought Christ back from the dead. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus was raised from the dead, he, and he is alive forevermore. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, 18, and I think particularly 19, he said, I am he. Revelation 1, 19, he says that, and I saw, I fell at his feet, and I write these things, um, verse 19 says, write these things which you have heard. And uh, go to the verse 18, sorry. Verse 18 is the one I'm looking for. Yeah, it says that uh, I, I am he who lives. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Yeah. Hallelujah. Someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. No demon locked up in Hades is coming up. Yeah. It's locked. I've got the keys of Hades and death. So this is why people say he went to hell to go and collect the keys. Uh, not, not quite. So, but it says that I have the I have the keys of Hades and death. I am He who was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. So Jesus Christ died and resurrected. In First Corinthians chapter fifteen, Paul gives a whole list of the reason why it is necessary. If you, the, the implication. Okay, let me quickly tell you this: the implication of the non-resurrection, because the resurrection is so essential. The result, let me, you know what, Acts chapter 2, let me finish that because there's still something there. I, I ended in verse 27. Let me pick it up from there, finish it, and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians quickly. Now, therefore, my heart, verse 27, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the, way, the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Verse 29, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us till up to this today. Therefore, being a prophet, what he's trying to say is this quotation David spoke about, he wasn't talking about himself, because he's dead and his tomb is still there. So David is still in the grave. All right, so David cannot be talking about himself. But what he's saying that David being a prophet was talking about the Messiah who was coming. All right, so therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, talking about David, verse 21, David, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ. 
that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are witnesses. That is the message of the early church. Listen, the, there cannot be Christianity without resurrection. There cannot be Christianity without resurrection. So the early church, that was what they preached. They said, of which we are witnesses. What are we? We are witnesses of the fact that Jesus is alive. Yes. Jesus is alive. He's no more in the grave. He has resurrected. He has conquered death. Jesus is alive. That was the message that early church preached. And that is the message that we should still preach. Shout hallelujah. That is why we cast out devils. That is why we, 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 say, we preach for people to be saved. That is why we preach the gospel. That is why we come to church. That is why we do what we do. Because Jesus Christ is alive. He has conquered the grave. He has conquered the grave. He has conquered the grave. Lost, dead has lost his victory. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Praise God. So it's important we appreciate the fact. Now Paul said that some people will say that um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Some people will say oh, there's no resurrection. Because resurrection is not necessary. And then no one, Christ has not resurrected. Because people, when people die really, they don't resurrect. And blah, 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 blah. They were just going on and on. And they say things like, uh, uh, Paul said that if that's the case, then we, we will be like the Epicureans. Let us live, let us eat and die and drink. Because tomorrow we die. There's not, life is all about now. Eat, drink, and die. <laughs> all right. Um, for um, this Verse, verse, verse 12, watch, watch this. If Christ is preached that he, he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Now, I want to give you quickly, you write these things down, about 10 or so um, implication of the non-resurrection. The implication of the non-resurrection. If you people say Christ didn't resurrect. Because that's why we say we believe. These are the things we believe about Christ. He, was, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. Died and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. We believe it and we know it's true. We know it's true. Because Paul said that if Christ did not rise again from the dead. What's the implication? Number one. We have, we have no guarantee of the resurrection. Verse, verse 12 and 13, what, what I just read. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. That if Christ didn't actually rise, then there's no guarantee of any resurrection. All right, number one. Number two, if Christ did not rise, okay, let's look at verse 20 and 22 and verse 20 to 23. It talks about, but now, if, but, but now Christ is risen from the dead and he has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. Take notice of that. I'll come back to that. For since by, by, by man death came, since by man death came, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Somebody shall hallelujah. hallelujah. But, but each, each, one is, uh, each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. All right. So then Christ is the first fruit. Because he has resurrected, there is hope for the resurrection. This resurrection thing is real because Christ has resurrected. So first, if there's no resurrection, it means that it means that there's no guarantee that there's any resurrection for anybody. Number two, that means that look at verse 14. Let's look at let's do some exercise here. If, let's read together verse 14. Verse 14. Let's go. And if Christ is louder, let's go. And if Christ is not risen, what's the implication? Then our preaching is empty and your faith is vain. 
All right. So then, if Christ is not risen, the, non, the, the implication of the non-resurrection is that um, preaching is vain. King James talks about preaching is vain. All this we are doing, all this is not necessary. It's in vain. Number three, your faith is also vain. You are believing in vain. Okay, I believe, I believe. That's why we talk about, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Listen, if there's no resurrection, all this creed is rubbish. Can you imagine that? He said, your faith is vain. Stop saying God will do anything. Stop saying I believe in the power of God. Stop saying God is this. Stop, your faith is vain. Number, number what? Number four. Number four is in verse 15. Number four is verse 15. If Christ is not resurrected, what does that mean? Yes, and we have found false witnesses of God. We have found false witnesses of God. And because we have testified of God that he had raised, he had raised up Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead do not rise. So then, means that we are liars. Number, number five, we are yet in our sins. Verse 17. No one can talk about forgiveness of sins if Christ is not resurrected. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Someone lift up your right hand and say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm no more in my sins. Hallelujah. That's a very profound one. Because I'm telling you, the forgiveness of sins, as I've been saying, forgiveness of sin is a big thing. So it says that if Christ has resurrected, that means that we are still in not, not in our sins. Those of us who have put our hope and who have put our faith in Christ. All right? That is number what? Number five means that we are yet in our sins if Christ did not resurrect. If there's no resurrection or Christ did not resurrect, number, number six means that all, all, all dead are perished. All those who have died in Christ are verse 18. All those who have died in Christ, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. <laughs> It's like you are believe, believe, and now you have died, you have perished. Nothing again for you. Nothing again. But that means that those who, are, who believe in Christ, because Christ already resurrected, it's, it's not the end of everything. Hallelujah. When you die, it's not the end. So the believer, death is not the end. Number, number seven, we have no hope. Verse 19, we have no hope. If Christ, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of all men most miserable. All right, so that means that we are very miserable. We, we, we have no hope, okay? Because watch this, watch this. He said, if in this life only we have hope, that means that we have hope also outside of this life. All right, so then if Christ did not resurrect, that means that we don't have hope outside of this life. There's no hope for us. Now, now the, the next point, number eight, is it eight or nine? Eight. eight is still verse 19. That means that we are very pitiable. King James, I like King James, he said, we are miserable of all men. You are coming to church, you are miserable because Christ is not resurrected. That's a serious implication. And then number, number, number nine, we are, uh, verse, verse 30 to 32, it means that we are playing fools. We are, very, we are very foolish in believing all these things. We are playing fools, there's no hope for us. Verse 30 to verse 32, because of time. And then let me give you one more. And... One more in verse 55 and 56. Let's look at that. Verse 55, this is the, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades. You see, Hades has appeared here again. Grave. Hades here means grave. Where is, where is your victory? Go to the next verse. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of, the, of sin is the law. And so, where, if Christ did not, did not uh, re- resurrect, what it means is that all the prophecies are false. 
prophecies that we have received, prophecies about, amen. Quickly, the resurrection. What the implication of the resurrection? I want to give you three quickly. There is a, the implication of the resurrection, it's, look at verse 21, 20 to 23. We read it earlier on. Let's look at it again because it's such a profound text. Because Christ, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become what? Has become what? Has become what? Has become what? All right. And, and, and has become the first fruits of those who are falling asleep. So that means that he's the first out of grave, grave. The, the rest of us are coming. Verse 21, verse 21 continues. For since, no, no, verse 23, let's look at verse 23. But each, uh, each one in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. All right. So because Christ has resurrected, we shall also resurrect. So that's the implication. There is, listen to this very carefully. The resurrection of Christ, what it means is that it is not an isolated incident for the benefit of Christ alone. It means that we all will resurrect as well. Yeah. Amen. We all will resurrect from the dead. And then number two, it means that the resurrection of Christ means that Christ has been vindicated. He was really faultless. He was, if, if he had sinned, you know, you don't go to the holies of holies and come back if there's sin around you. That's why the high priest is, will wear bells around his feet and then there's a rope tied to his feet. If he goes there and he has committed sin without confessing, they will have to pull him because he'll be dead. No one can go there. So, but if he goes and comes back, that means that he has actually finished the job. He's gone to do the job. So if Christ had not come back from the dead, that means that he hasn't been vindicated. He was really a criminal and a thief. Praise the Lord. But his resurrection means that he has been vindicated. And then finally, not only that God has vindicated and justified Jesus, vindication there means he's been justified. He resurrected to mean that he's just, he's pure. God sent him. The, next, the, the last point of the resurrection is that I like that. That's what I want to end on. In Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 25. I like what it says. It talks about how, who was, the, that's talking about Jesus, who was delivered up. Because of our offense. Why was he delivered up? Now, delivered up there means he was killed. He was crucified. Why was he crucified? Oh, I can't hear you. Is there anyone here who is an offender? Who was an offender? He was crucified because of your offense. So don't let the devil stand in front of you and say that you, God will not forgive you. No, he was crucified because of your offense. Hallelujah. So there's no need for you to be thinking that God is still going to punish you. You don't owe God any punishment once you are in Christ. Now, if you are not in Christ, that your punishment is still on your head and then you'll be punished. You'll join those demons in prison (laughs) in Hades. Hallelujah. And you go to the lake of fire. Praise the Lord, which is hell. And so he says that he was, Jesus Christ was, verse, uh, Romans again, Romans 4.25, Jesus Christ was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised, what? He was raised f- again for our vindication, our justification. So the resurrection means that you and I have been justified now before God. That's very important. That's very important. The resurrection means that we have been justified. The resurrection means that once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are justified. We, can, we, are, we are clean. We come clean before God. And God has fellowship with us. God accepts us. Our sins are not against us anymore. God doesn't hold our sins against us. We are free from, from the power of sin. We are free from the punishment of sins. We are free from the penalty. It's a serious thing, man. It is a serious thing. 
you can walk boldly in, in life knowing that no one holds anything against you. According to Romans chapter 8, I like this. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 20, 33 and 34, and somewhere there, 32 33, it talks about who condemns us. No, no, there's no condemnation for us. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? No. So who will bring a charge against you before God? No. Is, that, is it God? God is actually justifying you. Who, what was this? Who is going to stand in court and accuse you? Is he your, is he your lawyer? Your lawyer will not go and stand in court and accuse you. So is, that, is it God who justifies? Go to the next verse. The, it says that, the, uh, it says, who, who is he who condemns? It's, it, it's Christ who died. Who furthermore is risen? Who is even at the right hand of God? That's next week. This one next week. Right hand of God. Right hand of God who also makes intercession. Hey. Now the one, the one who has what it takes to, to condemn, he's rather making intercession. Christ is the one who has what it takes to condemn. He has what it takes to go because he is faultless. That is why in, in John chapter 8, that's why he told the people, verse 8 downwards or verse 7 downwards, he said, he which is amongst you, who is without sin, let him cast the first soul. If you are without sin, start condemning people. If you are without sin, start pointing fingers at people. And Bible says that none of them was able to do. And Jesus said, listen, woman, if no man could condemn you, then even me who is without sin, I also condemn you not. I also don't condemn you. I do not condemn you. I do not condemn you. Ah, and guess what? He raised from the dead. He resurrected from the dead to make a public statement that there is not therefore no there is not therefore no condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is not therefore no condemnation. Romans chapter 8. Let's read it together. There is now, therefore now no to them which are in Christ Jesus. Say there's no condemnation. Say there's no condemnation. Say no condemnation. Why? Because I'm justified. I'm justified. I'm justified. I'm justified. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. But that wasn't the end. He descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He rose for our justification. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.